if you were born in China, you must probably learn to speak Chinese. If you were born in Spain, you must probably learn to talk what? Spanish. If you were born in Italy, what language would you speak? Italian. Yes, the trick. If you were born in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, what language would you speak? Zulu is the correct answer. Buzz, bzzz, you're out. You're the weakest link. Goodbye. KwaZulu-Natal, you speak Zulu. You see, you are actually, and I am actually, a product of the environment in which I was brought up in. I see life through South African eyes. I just see biltong and meat, because that's the way I was brought up. Don't come with this vegan stuff. It, it just doesn't appeal to me, okay? You might be right. I don't care. God bless you. I want a bry. I want a barbecue, because I see life through my upbringing, through the culture that I was born into. But here's the question for you. If I had to take a Chinese baby and put it in Italy... Would it have the potential to learn Italian? So inside of every single one of us is actually locked up potential to grow into something so much more if we would change the environment in which we lived. Here's some guys and girls recorded in the Bible. Noah, a simple man, not much mentioned about him in the Bible, in that environment, but, but for God. He floated the greatest company on the planet. Moses, in his environment, was lost, a little baby down a river. But for God, he actually turned out and became a leader of a nation. Jacob, most probably a little bit dubious character there. God changed his name to Israel and he became the father of the Hebrew nation. And they're now called the children of Israel. Joseph, a spoiled child on a brat, but God changed him. And he became the prime minister of Egypt. Rahab, a harlot, a prostitute. In an environment of no good, but God. And she's now reported in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. Saul, a religious nutcase. But God changed his name to Paul. And he writes more than half of the New Testament. Peter, Simon, Peter, Simon, a fisherman. Can you just imagine? Have you ever been around a fisherman? They stink. I'm sorry, but my goodness, the smell of fish you just can't get rid of. It was all over them. You know what? Peter must probably had a big bushy beard because they must probably didn't wash that often. You, can you imagine the, 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 the language these fishermen would be using on the boats and the effing and jeffing and everything else that goes with it? I'm sure you must have been pretty crude. But for Jesus, changes his name to Peter. And he launches the church of Jesus Christ. And he's an apostle for Jesus. Here's my statement that I'm trying to make. Your future does not depend on your past environment, your birthplace, or your family name, if you will allow God to develop you in his environment. You've got so much more potential locked up inside of you. You see, the Bible says that we were born in the environment of Adam within a sinful world, corrupt world. So we have sinful natures. Is that right? Doesn't the Bible say that? 
And I'll quote Dr. Neil Anderson. He wrote uh, Freedom for Christ, and he, he's famous for that. And he says these words, Our flesh, our carnal nature, has an existence apart from God, an existence that is opposed to God, an existence that is self-reliant and self-centered, dominated by sin. So I went and had a look because Neil Anderson gave us a scripture and I went and looked it up and he came up with this. And my goodness, the sinful carnal nature that is inside of all of us. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of chasing after God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in our way, senseless arguments, Resentment when others are favored. No, that doesn't apply to any of us here, does it? Temper tantrums, that's definitely not me. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Oh, by the way, did I mention this is the Bible? I didn't write this. Please, it's not me. Okay, you think I was blunt? You should see Paul. He just lays it straight out there. He comes out with being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Murder. We wouldn't murder. But you know what Jesus said? If you look at another woman, you're already committing adultery with her in your heart. So how many of you have ever wished someone else dead? Well, according to Jesus, you commit murder. Drunkenness. Wild parties. And other similar behavior, just in case we missed something. That is all in our carnal, fleshly nature. That's in the world in which we were born and lived. But I've got some good news. But Jesus. I tell you what. Jesus comes in and the greatest miracle of all. He comes in and he says, I'm going to die for your sin. I'm going to pay the price for all of that stuff. I'm going to pay. He doesn't just take it off. He actually becomes all of that for you and dies on that cross for you. Isn't that amazing? My goodness, so I thank you so much, Lord Jesus. And all of that stuff, I don't have to live in anymore. And Paul the Apostle says, I must consider myself dead to all that. I don't accept it anymore. I must not consider that to be part of my life anymore. I must come over here and I must now live in Him. Oh, Jesus takes me out of that sinful nature, out of that environment of sin that I was born into, and He takes me and He puts me in here into Jesus Christ Himself. And I now live and I move, and I have my being in Him. Come on, somebody should be shouting Amen. Wow, this is good news. He transports me out of darkness into the kingdom of His sons. And now we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. I don't like a saying called, I am just a sinner saved by grace. I don't like that. You see, what you're doing is you're giving recognition to just being a sinner. I'm not just a sinner. I have Jesus Christ living in me. I am not just a sinner. He has transported me into his kingdom. I'm not a sinner anymore. He's adopted me into his family. He's called me a king and a priest. That's who I am. So when I say I'm a sinner, I'm saying, Jesus, I don't respect what you think of me. I consider myself over here. I am a saint who occasionally sins. Listen, I do mess up. That previous list there was a little bit embarrassing. I think I might have fallen of the law there a little bit. 
None of us are perfect. But I don't dwell on that. And when I do make a mistake, that wasn't me, that was Fred. (laughs) I won't go there. I won't go there. You know, we love this verse that I was quoting now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I challenge you to read the first two verses just before that. Look at this, what Paul said. Verse 15 says, He died for all of us. That we don't have to live no longer for ourselves. Like that old carnal nature, that sinful carnal nature. But now we live for Him who died for us and rose again. Verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on, regard no one according to the flesh. Stop paying attention to that. Paul the Apostle says, Regard no one according to that. Stop coming and telling me my mistakes. How did God do it? How did God take that foul-mouthed Peter guy, that Simon Fisherman stinky guy, and turn him into an apostle of Jesus? How did he do it? I went and I had a look. Guess what he did? You know what he did? He called him. He's walking past the, the shore one day, saw him fishing. He says, hey, Simon, would you like to become my apprentice? That's what he said. Would you become my apprentice? Would you come and follow me? A disciple, by the way, is a fancy Bible word. It's like King James' stuff. It actually doesn't mean, it actually means a, an apprentice. It's somebody who follows and looks after and traces after a mentor, a, a, a senior, a, a master, or someone like that. That is what an apprentice is. Not all Christians are apprentices or disciples. But all disciples and apprentices are Christians. There were plenty of people that knew about Jesus. Plenty of people that knew about his miracles. Some of them even got healed. But they were not called disciples. They knew about him. This morning, you might say, I know all about God. But I'm definitely not one of his disciples. I'm not a follower after him. I'm not. You see, the Bible says that we should imitate Jesus and Paul, just like Paul is imitating Christ. And I was looking at that verse there, and it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, Liam and Josh, would you guys come and help me quickly? Liam, Josh, come up on the stage, and you're going to be my helpers. And I need one other holy-looking person. Simon, would you be Jesus for me? He was, he was looking away, trying not to get any attention and stuff like this. Come stand this way, guys. Now, I was in the army. Guys, you're welcome. You just joined the army, okay? And when you're in the army, you have to line up in a platoon, and you have to come to attention, and you stand in a dead straight. I mean dead straight. And what they do is very simple. The first guy becomes the marker, and he comes and he stands like this. Shoulders back, chest out, and looks dead straight. Simon, come here and be Jesus for me. And come on, you've got to stand to foot. Come on. Next, stand straight. That's it. Chin up, chest in, chest out. I should have been a a sergeant or something. I can feel it come. I feel the power. (laughs) Now, let's say that Joshua is Paul. And Paul says, I must imitate what Christ is doing. So what they did in the army, to get a straight line, you put your arm out, like it's exactly one arm's length away, and most people have about the same distance to the arm, and then you look to your right-hand side. Simon, you're looking straight ahead. I'm following you. No, this is look straight ahead. And you're going to see his chin. You see that? <laughs> Suck it in, boy. 
stand at attention. Right. You ready? So now you're going to now imitate Paul, who's imitating Christ. And here's the secret. You've got to see Josh's chin, and you need to see Simon's chin. So put your arm up. Sit. Line up, touch your shoulder. Now, can you see Josh's chin? Can you see Simon's chin? Yes. There we go. Now we have a straight line. What Here we have got somebody imitating Paul, who's imitating Jesus. And now he calls you to come and join. So I'll join too. And I'll join up like this. And, we'll, and I look and I, I move around until I can see one, two, three. I see Jesus. We're not imitating him or Josh. <laughs> what we need to be doing is we need to be following Christ. Because Josh is following Christ. I need to imitate him because he's imitating him. So that verse is, I'm not trying to imitate a person. I'm trying to imitate and copy the practice of following instructions. Thank you very much, guys. Give them a hand. When you start to follow Jesus, you become his apprentice. And then this verse kicks in. When we, with unveiled face, beholding a mirror, the glory of the Lord, or imitating, imitating, we are then transformed into the same image, into His glory, from glory to glory to glory. Oh, this morning, I want to tell you that Peter, he just copied Jesus. How did a stinky fisherman, foul-breathed, foul-mouthed, foul-everything, become a saint? Copying Jesus. From glory to glory to glory. You see, many, many years ago, 18, and I finished school, and I didn't do really well at school. I was very, very dyslexic, and uh, still am, and I really battle uh, to do reading and writing and stuff like that, because oh, God sent a miracle. He sent me Google. <laughs> oh, man. You can mess up your letters. Google still knows what you're trying to say. It actually, it's so clever. It says, well, I think you were trying to say this. I said, you're right, I was. And I would, when I look at what I wrote, it's all red, underlined red. Mistakes like a school teacher. Wrong, 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 wrong. This is, I'll help you out. I'll go where you need to go. And it takes me there. Oh, man, Google is a wonderful thing. Anyhow, so I, I didn't do too great. I failed two subjects every year on principle. And I finished and I, I, I scraped through barely. Not enough to get into a good university. And uh, anyhow, my saving grace came along. A company came to our, our school and said, how would you like to become an apprentice and learn how to build power stations and power lines? Now, <laughs> I've got a bit of a thing for big, powerful things. I kind of like bigger the better, just like me. And so I like the big stuff. Okay, really big power stations. Like the substation transformers are bigger than this roof. I mean huge. You have to use scaffolding to climb up on top. And they came to the school and says, do you want to be an apprentice and learn how? You better believe it. I had no other options, by the way. So it's the first one I got and I took it. And they said, welcome, come and you can join the apprenticeship scheme. And so I go there to the HR department on the first morning, and I go, and uh, the lady takes me and says, I'm going to take you, introduce you to someone. And she takes me to a lovely man, and his name was Pete. Pete, this is Wayne. He is your apprentice. Wayne, this is Pete. He's your supervisor or master. Okay? And I'll leave you guys to it. And she waddles off, and she goes. And I just stood there looking at this guy. So uh, he says, um, 
There's a coffee machine down the end of the corridor. I like my coffee black with three uh, white with three sugars. So I said, okay, that's nice. And I just stood there. He says, hop to it, boy. Come on. Let's go. Go get my coffee. Oh, so off I go and I go and get his coffee. And I come back and I, I bring him his coffee. He says, very good. Then he says, we're going to go to the substation that I've been really wanting to go into and see. Because you only drive past these massive things. You know, little power lines come in, high security. You can't get in there even if you tried. Really dangerous inside. So I'm, this is my area now. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to a substation. So I, I head towards the door. He says, where are you going? Bring my tool case, my toolbox. Massive box of tools. And yeah, I'm slogging up to the car and I pop them in there and everything. And I, I go with him in the car. On the way there, he says, I need to just stop off somewhere. And he pops into Greg's to get himself some lunch. A Greg sausage roll. He picks up a Greg sausage roll, puts it in his lunchbox, and off he goes to the substation. We get to the substation. There's the security. Stop. Who goes there? Oh, it's you, Pete. You come to do some work. Come on in. And there's an operator at every substation. He looks after the control, making sure it works properly. He executes what national control would tell them to do. It was, it's a little bit like national grid. You all know national grid here in England? Okay, I was working for them. So uh, we go in there, and he drives in, and I start looking at all this stuff. He says, Wayne, where are you going? Get my tools. And off I go, and I get the tools, and I'm slugging behind him. Then the whole day, he says, spanner, spanner, screwdriver. Not that one, you idiot. I want a Phillips screwdriver. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'll give him the next one. And the whole day, for day in, day out, that's all I did. I helped Pete. I watched Pete. And then one day, I progressed. It was a wonderful day. He says, would you like to cut that bar for me, please? Me, cut a bar? <laughs> this is really good. I get to use the tools. So I go in there and I get myself the, the hacksaw. And I, I start to cut. And he shouts, Wayne, what are you doing? He says, if you cut like that, your, your cut's going to be all wiggly-woggly. You don't want a wiggly-woggly line. We need it straight. You've got to put that in the vice grip and you've got to hold the hacksaw like this. And he shows me how. And he says, you cut like this. So, oh, very good. And I, and I start to cut like that. You see, I can't have the wrong attitude. When he says, do you want to do, well, will you do that for me? He says, me? Why are you asking me? What did I do to deserve cutting? I don't want to have to cut. No, I had a different attitude. It was a case of, would you show me how to do this? Or will you help me? If I get stuck, could you show me again? I was with Pete. And Pete and I spent every single day together, breakfast, lunch, and supper. We often had emergency jobs, so we worked through the night regularly. Saturday's work. I knew Pete. In fact, Pete often would stop at B&Q to get some stuff for the house, go past the house, give it to the wife. I even knew the wife and the kids. What a great lady. I even had tea and coffee at her house. And guess what she made, Pete? White with three sugars. I spent time with Pete. You know, the Bible says that we should spend time in God's presence. If we want to be changed from one glory to another glory, we need to spend time in His presence. The Bible says, don't forget and neglect meeting together. That's where we meet on Sunday mornings, at home groups, prayer nights. We come while we want to be in Pete's presence, in God's presence. But it's not just Sundays, it's not just weekends and home groups and prayer nights. It's every single day. Every single day you need to wake up in the morning. What do you answer first? Who do you say hello to? Facebook or Jesus? Don't answer that question. Some of you are squirming. If you don't move, we won't know we're talking about you. Do you spend time in his presence? I'm, I, I know I'm being a bit silly here, but do you know how many sugars Jesus takes in his coffee? 
When last did you spend time? I'm joking. You know what I mean though. You had to be in His presence. He's not just a God where you come and say, I want this, 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 this. This is all the disasters in my life. Fix them, please. No, it's about getting to know Him. Pete and I shared some really good jokes together. We got to become friends. He became my friend. I was with Him, God knows how long, four or five years. I got to know Him really well. Are you prepared to spend time with Jesus? The only way to get set free from all that junk stuff in our lives is to spend time with somebody who really knows how to do it. You see, he's not trying to fix the bad stuff. He's trying to replace the bad with the good. Where now my my world came to an end because Pete called me in the one day and he says, Wayne, listen, I want you to go. You have to go to college. To what? College. Uh, Why? Because you need to have some education. You need to study. You've got to show yourself approved. I need some qualifications. You can't be a qualified appre- or qualify from being an apprentice to being an artisan if you don't have education. And then the cheek of it, he made me pay. <laughs> I had to pay for my own studies. It cost me. And I go off, and in those days, I don't know if you have them over here, but it's a technicon. It's not a college, it's not a university, but it's, it's more practical in orientation, but you still do maths. But I'll tell you what, the math is proper math. It actually achieves something. It's, it's like really good. And they taught me fantastic things. Oh, I learned all about electricity. I knew why it goes there, what happens there. I know about protection systems. I know about automatic control. I know about design. I know all about that wonderful stuff. It was so interesting. And for the first time, I started to love something. I didn't have to read Shakespeare. How are you supposed to know what Shakespeare was thinking when he wrote the poem? <laughs> He's dead. What a lot of bunkum. Don't start me on that nonsense. Really, it's, it's rubbish. But anyhow, this, I'm now learning something that's practical I could actually use. And it was so interesting. And I'm learning and I'm growing. And, and there is a test. I had to study really hard. I had to get through past the test. When last did you pick up the operations manual? When last did you start to really, really, really study it? I don't mean just look for the verse of today on your phone. Oh, look, there's a verse for today. I tell you what, I'll make it yellow. Oh, well done, you. (laughs) I mean, study it. Write it down. Get a book. Cross-reference it. Find out what it really means. How does it apply to me? Are we prepared to study? Here at PCF, we've got a, a growth track. It's called Elevate Growth Track. How many are you on it? It's where you can learn and you can grow. Oh, Wayne, I've been saved 40, 50, 60, 70 years. You know, I'm way past that. No, you're not. If you were, you wouldn't be acting the way you do. We were writing it. I'd be using Pastor Andrew's stuff and our stuff, and these are incredible. Do you know how much I have learned? And I've been saved 50, no, 45 years. Do you know how much I've learned? The basics? My goodness, it's been an eye opener. I, thought, I really, never really understood it like I understood it now. I dare you. These, hold on these cards at the back. Go and get one and sign up today and start. Are you a, an apprentice? Are you a learner? you want to follow Jesus? The Bible says we are to study and be eager. I'm telling you, when you study the Bible, it's actually very it's exciting. You say, oh, that applies to me. That's amazing. And that, that, look at that. And, and I tell you what, you just need somebody to show you on Elevate. We actually show you how to read your Bible and how to start off. And 
things. It is so interesting. And you study to show yourself approved. And yes, you will be tested as a workman. And yes, you, you won't be ashamed then. And I was able to go back to Pete and say, Pete, I qualified. I've done my studies and I'd work with him another year. Then I had to go and study again. And then I had to come back and work with Pete. And then I went to study again. And I came back and worked with Pete. And it was in and out. I was, I was spending time with Pete and I was reading my Bible. I was spending time with Jesus and I was reading my Bible. I was spending time with Jesus and I was reading my Bible. Are you getting this? There is a cost to being a disciple. If you want to be my apprentice, the Bible says, and this was Jesus speaking, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my apprentice. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus isn't advocating that we hate anyone. He's not asking you to hate your mother or your father. But how much do you love Jesus? Oh, Wayne, you know, it's lovely outside. It's a lovely sunny day. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm not coming to meet Jesus. I'd rather spend some time in Lime Park. Do you know what? I'm on holiday for three weeks. I don't need to read my Bible on holiday, surely. You're kidding me. Holiday is a time you have off. It seems to me like your priorities are a little bit messed up. Maybe you're a Christian. You're not yet a disciple. But all disciples are Christians. I'm challenging you this morning to rise up to a new level. There is a price to pay. you just got to love Jesus, number one. I'm not asking him to be the highest on your priority list. We can all do that. It's easy to say that. Jesus is number one. Church is number two, then family, then you get your little sacred priority list. I'm not talking about it. I'm saying make him number one. When you wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Jesus. Wait, Facebook. Wait, Instagram, I don't need to see the latest post yet. I want to say hello to my Jesus. He's number one in my life. You're not too young and you're not too old to put Jesus as number one. So anyhow, there came a time when uh, Pete and I were in a substation. And uh, he might walk in past. And when, we, and when you build something, we've got these massive drums, these rail, uh, reels of cable. Beautiful, amazing cable. Uh, 20 core and stuff then. And we were building our church at the time and we were about to just throw the foundation and I was doing the sound engineering at the time and I needed a cable, a multi-core cable from the back sound desk to come up to the front so all the mics would plug into it and everything. Really expensive. And I'm walking through the, the yard at the substation there and I saw this incredible cable. Now this is state-of-the-art cabling. This is used for power stations. This isn't some cheap stuff that you buy over the, on the internet. This is like the real thing. And whenever you buy, we'd, buy, we'd order like kilometers, so you can't, make, you can't measure exact. You always over-order, and then you trim it back. So this was an off-cut. It was what we call a tail. It was the end leftovers. And it was just lying there in the bush. It's, it's going to rot, because in those days we didn't recycle. So we just left it there in the field next door to the substation. So I said to Pete, Pete, could I have that? He says, yeah, well, of course you can. And he rolls it up and helps me and puts it in the car. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there is a reward to seeking Jesus first. John 15 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear fruit. Then you will be my apprentices. You see, I was trying to bear fruit. I'd gone to college. I'd got my qualifications. I'd just been spending time with him. He's watching the quality of my work improve. We had that friendship going. So when I place a demand on the friendship, of course, what are friends for? I can give you that. Look at the next verse. If you abide in me, spend time with Pete. If my words abide in you, go to college. Do elevate. Do something. Read your Bible. Then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be given to you. 
I'm telling you there's some advantages to being a follower of Jesus, to being a disciple of Jesus. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, it's going to be time consuming. But my goodness, the rewards. It says that I can ask anything. Well, now I've been spending time with Pete, so I know exactly how Pete thinks, what he, how many coffees he has and how many sugars he has. I know all of that kind of stuff. We have a relationship. So I was able to place a demand on that. Oh my goodness, look at this. It says here, if Jesus, uh, and Jesus said this to the people who believed in him. He said, you are truly disciples or apprentices if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then you will know the truth and the truth that you know will set you free. Oh man, isn't that fantastic? You see, I could have been in sexual immorality. I could have been having lustful thoughts. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm going to give you here a, a, a life full of virtues. I could have hated everyone, but he says, no, I'm going to give you divine love. I could have been quarrelsome and bunkering and fighting with people, but no, he's going to give me peace that subdues. I could have been selfish and just been thinking of myself, but no, he's going to give me gentleness and joy and patience and faith that prevails. By the way, that's all in Galatians chapter 5. He wants to take you out of that messed up lifestyle environment that you were born and translate you into this one. And he wants to develop all these characteristics inside of you. My best day came along. And uh, I'll never forget this day. It was really so much, so nice. I, I was with Pete. And uh, in the morning, we were having tea and coffee in the office. And he said, Wayne, listen, there's a, a job that's just come in. We need transformers commissioned. We need three new power lines built. It's an emergency job for a, a dynamite factory. And we don't want the dynamite factory to go boom. So we need to get them their secure supply quickly. Uh, this is a rush job. So he said, Wayne, listen, get to the station, and uh, we'll start working there. And so I said, Pete, I'm on it, because I'm really awake. I'm a, I'm a good apprentice. So I grabbed the tools, we go. He says, no, 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 Wayne, you're not listening. What, Pete? He says, I want you to go by yourself. I need to stay here in the office and get some work done. I'll do the paperwork while you get started. I'll tell you what, we'll meet up in a week or two's time, and I'll come and test it out with you and see how we're doing. Sorry, Pete, are you trusting me to go to the substation all by myself? Yeah, go to the substation by yourself. I grab the tools and I, I'm hitting with this big smile on my face. I'm trying not to let Pete see. So I'm grinning like this is amazing. You know what I have a problem? I had fitting those tools in my little Foxy car that I had, a little VW Foxy. It doesn't have good boot space. Actually, the engine's in the boot. But anyhow, so I'm on the back seat. And I really, and, and he said, stops me at the door and Pete says, listen, Wayne, you live closer to the substation than the office. Why don't you go straight to the substation in the mornings and in the evening go straight home? You could save yourself at least an hour driving and you could put it on the job. It's really urgent. Pete, you're trusting me to clock myself in and out? Not to supervise me? Are you trusting me to do all that? Oh man, I get in my little foxy car, that little green thing, and I drive along and I get to the substation the security guard, stop! Who's there? You know, it's just like the movies. It was really good. And stuff like the big bob wire fences and everything. And I roll down the window and it says, oh, it's you, Wayne. Pete has phoned ahead and says, you're authorized to come in. Oh, come on in. I drive. Okay, Foxy doesn't. Then I drive in. And I went and I parked in Pete's space. Oh, it felt good. Oh, you know nothing about it. Parking in Pete's space. I took my toolbox out. And I went in the substation there. And I start working along. And the controller, he comes in and says, Hi, Wayne, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, how's the rugby yesterday? Oh, no, good, we lost. And he's talking to me, all this kind of stuff. And, and he's talking to me like I'm Pete. 
And then he says, Wayne, listen, I've I, I got the kettle on. Do you want a brew? Okay, I'd love one. How do you take it? White with three sugars. So he goes and gets me my coffee, white with three sugars. And he brings and says, and then he kicks my lunch and says, what's in there? Greg's sausage roll. <laughs> I was imitating Pete. Acting like Pete. I worked there for a whole week or two. Oh, it was so exciting. It was so nice. And then a couple of weeks later, Pete suddenly appears and he comes in and says, How are you doing, mate? Mate? When did I become mate? I was hey you up until a couple of weeks back. And now listen, I'm mate. And he's chatting to me. He says, Come on, let's ring this thing out. And he has all these clever things and he puts it on there and he tests this. And, and he says, Well done. That is an excellent, nice job. We, we're on track now to get the job done. Well done. You know that Jesus called his 12 apprentices to him. And he sent them in his authority. Go out. I'm sending you with my delegated authority. You see, when you're an apprentice of Jesus Christ, you get delegated authority. Do you know what Jesus told them to do? Lay hands on the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. You would swear blind they were Jesus. Because that's what Jesus was doing. They were just copying the one who sent them. Some of us want to cast out demons. We want to heal people. But we're not apprentices. We're not disciples. Unfortunately, if you're not a disciple, you don't carry that authority of being a disciple. A little later, Jesus calls 70 other disciples and he sends them out too. And guess what? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Christ has given us gifts. Some of you are apostles, evangelists, preachers, teachers, helps ministry. Help me out for the kids' ministry, things like that. And he equips us and he gives us authority to do his work here on the earth. Come on, put your shoulders back. I've got authority. I'm an apprentice. I'm a follower of Jesus. You with me? Now, we have plenty of people in churches who don't want to serve, they're far too busy living for themselves. Well, you're not bearing fruit, so I don't think you are a disciple. We need help with Sunday school and upstairs with the kids and the youth all the time. We always could do with helpers. Why don't you get involved and show I'm a disciple? I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, I was with Pete that day and I finished the job. And then it was my best day, but then straight after that came my worst day. The worst day of my life. It was horrible. I tell you, we had got back to the office and Pete said to me, Wayne, listen, you've done all this great work. Now the hard part is we've got to update the diagrams and we have to make sure that it is exactly the way you've wired it and you've done it in the substation. If it's wrong, someone could get killed because they could operate it incorrectly and the, the thing could blow up. You've got to get this right. And so Pete goes, sits at his desk and I'm sitting at a drafting table. I don't know if you know them, they're huge things, drafting table. And I've got a massive diagram in front of me. It just goes on for pages, not pages, just rolls of it. And I'm sitting there updating, I'm working and, and the door opens and these two blokes walk in and they were mean. They were very mean. They were horrible to Wayne. They were really bad. And, and they came in the office stomping like a... You know the guys, you know the type... They, 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 it's 9 o'clock in the morning and they've already got a 5 o'clock shadow. You know, it would like take me 3 or 4 months to work that one up. And then it's still blonde and you can hardly see it. You know, they were mean. You know, like they, and they got these eyebrows and these eyes and they, they, they stomped in and they got right in my face. 
And he put his finger up my nose like, you are a screw up. You are a mess up. You realize you're going to get someone killed. You bypassed the protocol. You put that diagram in when it wasn't authorized. And he just let it rip. And I'm standing there like with big eyes. Like, and, and, everything like this. and I'm freaking out here. I'm sure they sensed, saw a little tear in my eye. And that just encouraged them even further to lash into me. But, and next thing I heard the chair move behind me. And Pete got up from his table. And Pete came around. And he pushed in right between me and them. And then Pete lifted his hand. Who the hell do you think you are to talk to my apprentice like this? And he started marching back. You come into my office, you knock before you come in. If I need your opinion, I'll ask for it. And I'm at the bathroom. Come on, Pete. Go, go. Come on, go. Back. Come on, Pete. You can take him out. Come on, Pete. And then he like and he slammed me. Get out of my office. And he slammed the door shut. Oh, yeah, Pete, you're the man. You're the man. And then Pete turned around, and there was fire in his eyes. Oh, my goodness, fire. And he raised his finger at me. Oh, I thought, I'm not going to ever qualify now. I'm dead in the water. And Pete said these words. Don't you ever let them talk to you like that again. The Bible says there's an accuser who would like to come and tell you about your past. He'd like to remind you of all the things you've done wrong. He wants to remind you and get his fingers in the nose and say, you're no good as a Christian. You're a loser. You screwed up last week. You messed up last week. You did this. I saw that thought. I heard that attitude. I saw this. And the Bible says that we have an advocate. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself says, don't you ever let the devil talk to you like that again. Next, some, next time the devil gets on somebody and comes and they try and tell you what's wrong with you, Tell them, talk to the hand, because the ear is not listening. I am righteous in Jesus Christ. I am not a sinner begging for mercy. I have, that was me. I know it was. Yes, I agree. I'm not denying that. But I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a king and a priest. I have qualified in Him. He has seated me in heavenly places next to Jesus Himself. The Father God loves me as much as He loves Jesus, the Bible tells me. Don't you dare let the devil talk to you like that again. Get out of here. I want you guys to set your eyes not on the flesh. The Bible says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds and their thoughts on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Come on, do yourself a favor and forget about your sin. Please. It's paid for. Jesus sorted it. It's over Cadovers. He can't even remember it. Jesus can't even remember your sin. He actually forgot about it. And you keep trying to remind him. This morning I want to invite you. How would you like to become a disciple and a follower of Jesus? How would you like to walk in that authority? How would you like to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? How would you like to ask anything and it would be given to you? Yeah. And all it requires, spend time in his presence. Go home this afternoon and say, Honey, I'm going for a walk. Can I come with? No. Why not? I'm with Jesus. I want to spend some time with Jesus. The Bible says we need to move on. Hebrews 6, 1 to 3, from the basic foundations of salvation. There's so much more. You're a warrior for him. He's wanting you to turn the world upside down. 
Stop grappling and messing around with sin. It's sorted. In Jesus' name, please bow your heads.